As I sit here with three electric blankets wrapped around me powered on full, my bottom half in a foot spa filled with boiling water, and my hair on fire in an attempt to keep warm, I'm wondering how did people live or even die during the harshest months of the year in the Middle Ages? How did they stay warm? What did they eat? How did they keep themselves entertained in an age before modern day luxuries like Double Glazing, God of War Ragnarok, and Netflix? The onset of the Little Ice Age between 1300 until about 1870 meant that the long dark winters of the late Middle Ages were colder and more dangerous. With starvation and death from illness always threatening to strike, winter was a frightening time. Welcome to Medieval Madness. Houses most peasant houses were badly insulated and would be full of cold drafts. Made from wood, wattle, and daub, European houses were often built on top of earth mounds which helped to keep them warm. A fire which provided heat as well as a place for cooking was often central to the home, with ventilation holes in the roof rather than a central chimney which would lose too much heat and leave the house open to the elements. Of course, this meant that the peasants would reek of smoke as soot would quickly accumulate, especially during the winter months. Sometimes there would be a second floor which would be reached by a ladder and would be used for storage. Tables and beds would be in the main area around the fire. There might be an adjacent area where livestock could be kept. The Vikings of Scandinavia built long, narrow fire pits in their longhouses. These fires were lined with stones which absorbed heat from the flames and allowed it to be distributed throughout the building. Viking longhouses had integrated byres where cattle would be sheltered during the colder months. Not only were cows, chickens, and pigs kept as a source of food and raw materials, but also as a source of heat. Using animals for their additional body heat had its drawbacks, though. It meant that life indoors was crowded, stinky, and noisy, but at least you wouldn't freeze to death if you were spooning a pig with a decent fire blazing, some Marvin Gaye playing in the background, a couple nice bottles of Chateau Cheval Blanc. You get the picture. In houses which used portable braziers, safety was quite a problem, and many houses burned down because of carelessness. Stone buildings are notoriously cold, and glass windows were only for the elite. In the winter months of the 1230s, London's Palace of Westminster was glazed, so that the chamber may not be so windy as it used to be. It did not solve the problem of coldness, but at least it stopped any icy winds from blowing through the building. And in southern France, on the island of Maguillon, the cathedral windows were sealed with plaster during the colder months. Poorer people could only try and cover their wall openings with paper or foliage to prevent drafts. Clothing A combination of both insulation and radiation were the best ways of keeping warm, and this was done by being near to a heat source and keeping the warmth trapped near to the body with thick clothing. Layering was the easiest way of achieving this. Linen undergarments would be worn beneath woolen outer clothing. Wool was hot, heavy, and very itchy, so the linen would act as a barrier between the wool and the skin. It was also so much easier to wash and dry linen clothes. Outdoor clothing such as boots, woolen gloves, scarves, and cloaks would be worn indoors in the coldest months. Between the smoke, sweat, and animals, indoor winter living for the medievals must have been a particularly pungent time. When out of doors for the more affluent, a metal hand warmer could be obtained. Priests might use these as their hands would become numb during long sermons in a freezing cold church. The thought that the Blessed Sacrament might be dropped during communion was scandalous, so a decorative hand warmer would be used. Made from metal, the hinged bowl was perforated and filled with hot charcoal, which would allow the heat to escape and warm the hands without burning them. 
Bricks and stones would also be heated in the fire and then wrapped in cloth to be taken to bed as a kind of medieval hot water bottle. For those who were wealthy enough, their winter clothing would be fur-lined and even peasants might use rabbit and lambskins for the same purpose. Certainly not as glamorous as ermine, but just as effective in keeping out the cold. Of course, permission from the Lord would be needed to catch any game. The Sumptuary Laws of 1363 made it illegal for anyone other than the wives and daughters of landowning peasants and craftspeople to wear fox, lamb, rabbit, or cat fur. Weather It wasn't just those in the north that suffered from the cold. In some instances, the weather on mainland Europe could be particularly brutal. During the winter of 1363-64, most major rivers and lakes froze over between December and March. At Mainz in Germany, the Rhine was frozen for 70 days. This allowed the town of Cologne, which was further downstream, to hold a market on the icy river. The town of Fosses in Belgium was covered in snow for over three months, and even in southern Europe, the Venetian Lagoon, the Atlantic Ocean near to Bordeaux in France, and the estuary of the Rhone were frozen. During February of 1352, the Florentine area of Italy was covered in a snow blanket for over a month. And in 1359, quote, the snow rose across central Italy to an extraordinary height, so to lighten up the roofs, the snow was thrown into the streets, and some of the towns were blocked with inhabitants trapped for several days in their homes. Bologna saw drifts of up to 18 feet, and in Medina, they were even higher. The winter of 1389 saw dramatic, impressive snowfalls in the Lozère region of southern France. A chronicle from the city of Montpellier recorded, quote, these snowfalls were so great that they destroyed many farmsteads, and many died because their houses fell down on them. Other people died of cold, others of hunger, because people had run out of provisions. This sort of weather was normal in Scandinavian countries and would not have hampered travel and communication as it did further south. The Vikings used various types of skis for hunting and transport. In other parts of Europe, peasants were more likely to have boots and sleighs pulled by horse, which meant that long-distance travel was not an option in bad weather. Isolated and mountainous areas, such as those in Lazare, were unlikely to survive during the harshest winters. Food In farming communities, the work was endless and there was always something that needed to be done. A lot of preparation and hard work was needed to survive a medieval winter. The gathering of firewood might go on from as early as spring and through the summer, when it would be collected, bundled, and stored. Any food that was harvested in the autumn would need to be preserved in some way to last over the winter months. Pickling, smoking, drying, and brining were often used as ways to make meat and other produce stay fresh for as long as possible. Grains, cereals, and pulses would be dried out and stored in either ceramic or clay pots so that they could be put into potted stews and soups later. Ground-up grain could also be added to breads and biscuits. Fresh fruit and berries would be particularly hard to find over the winter months, so they had to be preserved by air drying or pickling in the summer. Goats, cows, and chickens would provide fresh milk and eggs. Dairy products being an essential part of the diet. Milk could be made into butter, cheese, or yogurt. In Scandinavia, a sort of sour milk cheese called skaya was eaten in huge quantities. After the milk had been curdled and strained to make cheese, whey is left over as a byproduct and is perfect for use in pickling. A large keg or cask might hold up to 30 litres or 53 pints of whey and could easily hold a side of beef. Salted, smoked and dried lamb, beef, ham and fish could be kept for an extremely long time. 
Most people would live near to a source of fresh water, whether that would be a well, stream or river, so its collection shouldn't have been a problem. In the case of extreme weather, when people found themselves trapped inside, then the snow itself could be melted and used. The Great Famine Of course, no one can gather in the crops if there is nothing to harvest. Famines in Europe were thought to have occurred about once every 20 years. The worst of these was the Great Famine of 1315 to 1317. Very heavy rain hit in the spring of 1315, causing the crops to fail, which was only the beginning of the misery to come. Crop yield fell by up to a third, as it seemed as though the rains would never end, and animals died because of starvation and disease. The catastrophe caused huge levels of criminal behaviour that included infanticide and cannibalism. Europe did not recover fully until 1322. The famine affected up to 30 million people, wiping out between one and a half to three million. Although the Black Death in the middle of the 14th century was going to be more deadly, the Great Famine was the late Middle Ages' worst natural disaster. Entertainment After making sure that all maintenance work was taken care of and chores were done, people needed something to do to avoid going stir-crazy. Not much agricultural work could be done in winter, and a lot of time was spent indoors. Medievals might enjoy games in the snow though, such as sledging and ice skating on frozen lakes and rivers using horse shin bones or pieces of polished wood as skates. Later, the skates were made from iron. In Viking communities, snowball fights were thought to have been a great way for training the children for future battles. The Book of Hours from 1460 that belonged to the Duchess of Burgundy shows an illumination of a snowball fight with children and adults, and there are other depictions in frescoes and manuscripts. Indoor's time was spent spinning wool, telling stories, or playing games. Board games like chess and backgammon were popular, as were dice games. Vikings tended to play board games of strategy. The nobility combined sport with the procurement of food with their winter boar hunts. One of the most highly read texts in the High Middle Ages was the Secretum Secretorum. The treatise covers many topics from ethics to astrology and medicine to justice. It states that the dominant humour during the winter season was phlegm, and its harmful effects could be prevented by a change of diet. Hot meats such as pigeon, game and mutton, and fine red wines are recommended. Whereas bloodletting, fornication and laxative should be avoided, as should any sort of overindulgence. Although it is better to overeat in the colder months rather than at any other time, because the natural heat of the body is drawn inwards, and this results in better digestion. Good knowledge to have in the season that includes Christmas. For those living in the southern regions of Europe, which experienced the warm temperatures and hot summers, a harsh medieval winter would have come as quite a shock. Those in the northern areas were better experienced and equipped to cope with the ice and snow with their pelts and skis. Dangers came from starvation as food stores would diminish, and lower temperatures always meant the easier spread of disease as people were crammed together indoors. Stockpiles of provisions would help keep the people warm and fed, but for the medievals in the depths of winter, death was never very far away. Thank you for watching this episode of Medieval Madness. Do hope you're staying warm this winter, and we'll see you next Friday for another episode. Cheers!